Hey, what's going on, SG Squared listener? Jason Banzoff here, producer for the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. We're going to be playing some former episodes to give you new content every single week. Some of these may be from the past couple of years, but they are still relevant today. You may hear something about COVID or some other things that may have gone at that time, so don't be worried. We did not go back in time. However, uh, these are going to be great episodes for you to listen to, so make sure you tune in to SG Squared every single week. Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Bladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. Sit back, learn, and enjoy SG Squared with Steve Gladen. Loneliness is the number one epidemic in our society today. Studies in America say about half of Americans say, I'm lonely. I am lonely. You can be married and lonely. It's interesting we have more technology to connect us and yet that kind of connection actually creates dissatisfaction. It's, studies have shown that teen, the more teenage girls are on social media the more lonely they feel because it's everybody's presenting my so-called perfect life and I feel like I'm missing out and I, and I feel like oh look at the fun they're having you had a beautiful latte. I, I don't have a beautiful latte. And it, it, it's, it's all this comparison is just ridiculous. And um, so social media is not creating connections. It's creating false intimacy. Social media is creating more and more of these pseudo connections. But people are craving. And loneliness is such an epidemic. 60% of, of England says, I'm lonely, so much so that Theresa May, the prime minister, just appointed a new cabinet position called the Minister of Loneliness. There's a Minister of Loneliness in the English cabinet because it's so widespread. When you go onto Google, look for the CIGNA, C-I-G-N-A, report on loneliness. They did an extensive study of the health damage that loneliness does to people and says, that loneliness is, is more worse for your health and will cause you to die younger than smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being obese. Loneliness is worse than obesity or 15 cigarettes a day for your health. That you have to have, we're wired. And this is not news. The very first thing God said to man is, it is not good for man to be alone. What's the antidote to that? Small groups. What the world needs more than anything else in our society today is the antidote to loneliness. And where are they going to get it? Small groups. I want to fire you up to go home and exponentially think your small groups at a zero and say, if we got 30 groups, let's get 300. We got 50 groups, let's have 500. Okay? Just add a zero to it. And, you know, and, and just start thinking bigger than you've ever thought before. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. Set a big goal for how many new groups you wanna, want to uh, start. Now, the way you grow small groups is not one at a time every week, but it's by doing these campaigns where you start 50 or 100 or 500 in one week. It's the secret sauce of Saddleback Church. It's how we went 
from a few groups to now thousands and thousands and thousands of groups. Um, and I'll just tell you this one, one story that in 2002, when we did 40 Days of Purpose, we do an annual campaign every year. And it's the secret sauce to the growth of Saddleback Church. And there are a lot of biblical principles, actually 18 principles, like multiple reinforcement and uh, concentrated prayer. And, uh, you know, you clear the schedule. And there are, there are a lot of principles and multiple learning styles. But in the, in the campaign, which is a six or eight week campaign every year, that's our engine for starting small groups. And we will start, well, in, in 2002, when we did 40 Days of Purpose, uh, at, at that time, the church was 22 years old, and we only had 800 groups. Now, that's a lot of groups for most churches, 800 groups, but it was peanuts for church our size. I, I still had most of my people not in small groups after 22 years. And I'd been talking it and promoting it for 22 years. I just couldn't get them in until we figured out how to use the campaign. And what we discovered is that we had reversed the way people actually think about groups. We tell people, you need to get in a group because you need relationships. That's our primary selling point. You need to be in a group for relationships. And that's true, but it's not the primary hook. Because most people go, yeah, I know. I, I need more relationships. In fact, I'm even lonely. But I'm just too busy. I don't have time for another meeting in my life. And so even though they know it would be good for them, they go, I, I, I don't have the time for it. You have to offer them something in a group they can't get anywhere else. And so we began to get content, like Purpose Driven Life and things like that, where we would offer content. The only place you're going to get this is a small group. And I'm going to teach on it on Sunday morning, but that's the minor part. That's the appetizer. What you really get is the material we're going to give you in a small group. And what we found is people join a group for contact and stay for relationships. They join for content, but they stay for relationships. They don't join for relationships, even though they're lonely. It's kind of like, you know, there are a lot of things good for you, too, and you don't do them. Okay? You know, a lot of things are good for you. You don't do them. So. So you got to offer a content that is so good that I, I got to get this. Like, I want to know the purpose of my life. We've done purpose-driven life three times in this church. We've repeated it two more times. We've done recovery two or three times. And, and we're not afraid to repeat stuff because you get a whole new batch of people. But I remember Steve and I and our, the other pastors were sitting around one day, and we our goal for the first campaign of 40 Days of Purpose was 300 new small groups. And I remember going home and, and God said to me, Rick, your goal isn't requiring any faith. You can do this in your sleep. And, and I'm pleased when you do something that can't be done in the power of the flesh. So you need a bigger goal. You need to do exponential thinking. And I said, what, what's exponential thinking? And the Lord said, add a zero to it. So I said, 300 groups, uh, 3,000 groups? You want us to start 3,000 groups in one campaign? So I went back to Steve and I said, Steve, I, I, think, I, think, I think God wants you to start uh, not 300 groups, but 3,000 groups. 
And he goes, all right, pastor, you're a man of faith. Let's go for it. We're going to go for it. So the next Sunday, I get up on church and I go, guys, we're going to do an eight-week campaign. It's, it's on how to discover the purpose of your life. Who doesn't want to know that? What's the purpose of my life? But this material, you're only going to get it if you're in a small group. Now, we're going to teach it on Sunday, and we're going to give you a book to read every day, and we're going to have memory verses, and we're going to have projects. But it, the, the key, it all comes out of that group. All of these things are based in the group. So I said, we don't have enough groups for everybody, and I want everybody to benefit from this. So I need 3,000 of you to become uh, group leaders. Now, Steve's probably already told this, so I'll repeat it. What you call your small group leaders makes all the difference in the world and how many people you're going to get. Because oftentimes the very title scares people. So when, I, when we first started uh, small groups at Saddleback, we called our small group leaders lay pastors. Well, that was a terrible name because it scared people. They go, I'm not a pastor, never could be a pastor, never intend to be a pastor, don't know what a pastor does. And so we called it lay pastor. We got dozens of recruits because lay pastor was just too hard. Then Brett Eastman came on staff, and he came from Willow Creek, and he ran our small groups, and we changed the name to Shepherd. That was worse. <laughs> but, you know, shepherds. You know, my people have never seen a sheep. So what's a shepherd do? I'm not a shepherd, never been a shepherd, don't know how to be a shepherd, couldn't be a shepherd. It was a terrible, terrible name for our small group leaders. So then we changed it to a small group teacher. And people said, I can't teach, I'm not a teacher, I don't know how to teach, I never will be able to teach, I'm just not a teacher. So then we changed it to small group leader. It was a, I'm not a leader. I've never been a leader, well, couldn't be a leader, don't know how to be a leader, I've never seen myself a leader, I'm not a leader. So I got to thinking, in my church, for every person who has the gift of teaching, or leading. I've got 10 people with the gift of hospitality. Hospitality may be the most common gift in the church. And I'll say this now, you're gonna hear from me a lot in the next 10 years. Hospitality is going to be the front door for evangelism in the church of the next decade. Hospitality is the front door to evangelism in the next decade. The more hospitable your church becomes, the more evangelistically effective you'll become. Hospitality is the door to the future in a, in a, in a skeptical, cynical society. But I said, I, I've got 10 people who got to give to hospitality for everybody to teach or, or a leader. So I, I, we changed the name to host. I'm not a group leader. I'm not a group teacher. I'm not a group pastor or shepherd. I'm just a group host. Well, little old ladies could be a host. A lady who's 95 years old could be a host. She's hosted all of her life. So I get up on Sunday morning and I go, I need 3,000 of you to become hosts. I'm not asking you to do this the rest of your life. I'm not asking you to do it for 10 years or until the millennium. I'm asking you to do it for eight weeks, six weeks, okay? Now, here's what it stands for, H-O-S-T, H. You have to like people. You have to have a heart for people. If you don't like people, if you're a grouch, you can't be a host, so don't even apply you have to have to be a lover of people. Host have to like people. Oh, open up your home or meet at Starbucks or office or what? Open up your home. S, serve something to drink. Okay, 
T, turn on the DVD player. <laughs> if you can do those four things, you can be a host. That day, I said, everybody get out a card. I said, I'll be a host for six weeks because I want to know the purpose of life. 3,200 people signed up to be a host. On the spot. Turn them all in. Okay, It's putting the barrier as low as possible. I'm not asking you to do it the rest of your life. Just asking you to do it right now. Um, so then I said, okay, now here's the thing. If you just signed up, and I still didn't know how many had signed up because we hadn't counted the cards yet. Uh, but at the end of the service, I said, I want you to show up tomorrow night, Monday night, right here in the sanctuary, um, and I'm going to give you one hour of training. You only need one hour to be a host. So the next night, 3,200 people show up to be a host. I said, I'm going to give you your packet, your kit with the curriculum and the books and the DVD and all that. I'll give you all the campaign kit. you got to pick it up here. I'm going to give you an hour of training. So 3,200 people show up. So the first thing I say is, uh, now, with a group this big, some of you probably have never stepped across the line spiritually and given your life to Christ. You're interested in knowing the purpose of life, but maybe you don't know Jesus in a personal way. It would be a pretty good idea for you to know Christ in order to be a host. Does anybody need for me to explain to you how to become uh, a connection to Christ? 17 people raised their hand. Right there in front of those 30, and in front of 3,200 people, I led those 17 people to Christ. Everybody clapped. We all prayed together. Those 17 people gave their life to Christ right there. So then I said, now, it probably be a good idea uh, if you're going to be a host uh, that you be baptized. Jesus said, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, this is the way you, you show that you are, you're following him. It's in the great commandment and great commission. Be baptized. So uh, anybody need baptized? I, that week I baptized 400 people of the host. 400 of the host who had never been baptized. Then uh, I said, uh, now we're going to look at uh, your information and, and we're going to talk to you and, and we're going to send you out with material. And what we found is that there were some people who weren't quite ready morally. You know, like they were living together and they weren't married and they were going to host a home in their home. And thought, well... We, so we, but we didn't want to say no to anybody, so we said, now, um, really, you need to be married. But I tell you what, we know you're going to work this out, so we're going to make you assistant host because we know you're going to get this thing together. And uh, we know you're going to get, you know, get married and make this thing legit. And all that. So we didn't make him host, we made him assistant host. So we launched over 3,000 small groups in one week. In one week. Now... At the end of that six weeks, I remember I had 800. Remember I had, had 800, and and we went and when it all uh, uh, boiled out, we ended up with about 2,800 small groups during that six period. At the and I don't told me I do this for six weeks. At the end of that, I lost a thousand groups. A lot of them just stopped. Okay. And people go, oh man, you lost a thousand. No, I gained a thousand. Because I had 800 here, I went to 2,800, and I went back to 1,800. I added a thousand permanent groups in six weeks. That's a pretty good deal. Okay? Now, what we've learned since then is how to not lose these people. The next year, we did it again. We had a big bump, and we gained about a thousand new groups, and we went back down, but we only lost like 500 of them. And then the next year, we, we went up, we gained, we gained like 500 new groups. 
but we kept almost all of them, like 400 of them. Now, we don't lose any groups anymore because we know before the campaign's over, we've already decided the curriculum they're going to start then, and we have a pep rally for those people and give them the next six weeks of material, so we keep them going. So our, our, our retention rate is, um, is much, much higher. So what I'm saying is you don't grow your small groups like this. Add one group a week, one group a week, two groups, three groups. No, you have a group where you go boom, real high, and then you're going to go down and you'll lose some of them after campaign, but you're up higher than you were before. This is called the pyramiding principle of growth. And you have a big day and you go back down, but you're not as low as you were before. A big day, and then you go back down, big day, and go back down. So I leave you with this. Start learning everything you can about loneliness. Start learning. It's going to be the epidemic that opens the side door to the church. Stop worrying about people who are happy pagans and aren't interested. They'll get interested when they get in pain. Now imagine this. What if you were to train your people and to be prepared for the most common pain in life? And it puts small groups at front and center as the side door to the church, relational. And as persecution increases, relationships will increase. I used to think 40 years ago, Saddleback was built on the idea of people, Donald McGavern said, people should not have to cross cultural barriers to come to Christ. In other words, you got to dress like us to come to Christ. You got to talk like us to come to Christ. You got to like the food. You got to talk. You got to pray like us. You got to like the kind of music. You got to cross cultural barriers to come to Christ. And so in the early decades of Saddleback, we were looking for ways to lower the cultural barriers so it wasn't that big a jump from unbeliever to believer. We didn't want to put artificial. It's enough saying you got to take up your cross. That's a big enough barrier in itself. I don't need to say you got to wear a white shirt and a tie or you got to, you know, whatever. And so we're all, we were always looking way to lower the cultural barriers to show that you could be a Christian and you, you, didn't, you didn't look like the Amish out there. You weren't that different. I don't believe that works anymore in our society today. I believe the more different we are from society, the more attractive we become. As the world gets darker with sin and evil and more depressed and more lonely and more stressed out, I think if we could teach people how to live on a margin and not be so stressed, they go, I want that. Today, the problem with most people is when they look at other Christians, they are identical to the way they live, except they have more meetings to go to. There's no difference between Christian and non-Christian, except you have three extra meetings to go to. No, thank you. Jesus did not say, I've come that you might have meetings. <laughs> he said, I've come that you might have life. I think the more meetings we have, the more it sucks the life out of us. And, and so I actually think that the church that is willing to be different that the more different we are from society, the more attractive it will be. For everybody? No. But for that 25% good seed soil. And you can build a church on 25%. And I do think 
that it's going to be not the front door, but it's going to be the side doors, and it's going to be the small groups in the next generation. So we need you desperately to keep doing what you're doing. Don't give up. It's all about love. Leadership is not about programs, and it's not about goals, and it's not about numbers. It's all about loving people. And when you do that, God's blessing is on your life. You will have the favor of God. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.